In this season of Lent, we have been in a sermon series called Elemental Truth because each week the passages provided to us by the lectionary, uh, we see some elemental aspect of creation that that God draws forth to tell us something fundamental about God and what God's about. We've looked at light and wind and water. Today it is breath, you heard in the Ezekiel passage. Uh, But first, our New Testament reading from John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have three brief quotes for you. See if you can name that show. I do love a locker room. It smells like potential. If God would have wanted games to end in a tie, she wouldn't have invented numbers. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? It's got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. Anybody? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso aired its third season, starting just last week. Ted Lasso, you may or may not know, was a show that first came out on Apple TV back in July of 2021 and kind of surprised everyone with how popular it Became. I noticed in 2021 and 22 how many people in Halloween were dressed in Ted Lasso costumes, how many mugs and t-shirts I saw with Ted Lasso quotes on them. This TV show, it's the story of this Midwestern um, college football coach who is hired by an English soccer team, football team. He's never coached soccer, never in the UK. He's hired because the ownership's purposely trying to tank the soccer team. But it turns out his very positive can-do attitude starts to change things around the area. It's a funny show. It was in its first season, nominated for 20 Emmys, won seven of them, including Best Outstanding Comedy. And, and I got to thinking, why did that show land with such broad popularity? I think a 2021 review from Variety sums it up well. At a time when just about everything feels catastrophic, there's something undeniably satisfying about spending some time with good people who are just trying to be the best they can on and off the field. Translation, people were starved for goodness, for laughter, for hope. In fact, Ted Lasso himself said this at one point in season one. So I've been hearing this phrase, you all, speaking of of the British, y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. It's the hope that kills you. I disagree with you, you know. I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. There's a real sense, I think, in which the full embrace of this show directly corresponded to how hungry people were for some kind of good news, some kind of hope. And yes, it's only a television show, and, but, but here, here, here is some can-do hope. Our passage from Ezekiel 
that you heard Sarah read a few moments ago, is about a famine of hope in the land and where food might arrive. We heard in our passage, the people of God are putting it this way. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off. It helps to know that that Genesis story we read about, the famous creation story, where God takes from the dust and breathes life into it, creates man and takes from that man the rib and creates a woman. And we have Adam and Eve. Adam, do you remember? He exclaims, this is my bone of bones and flesh of flesh. In ancient society, bones was an idiomatic way of speaking of one's deepest self. My innermost being is filled with joy as I see this other. Oppositely, we read in the Psalms how sometimes the psalmist will cry out, my strength fails because of my misery, my bones waste away. My bones shake with terror. My bones burn like a furnace. My innermost being is broken, desolate, without hope. In Ezekiel, the valley of the dry bones is the valley of the living dead. The Israelites, they've been forced out into exile by the Babylonian empire. Many have, have died, literally. The living who now remain were forced from their homeland amidst incredible amounts of pain and and grief. And actually, we read in verse 2 of our passage that the bones here are very dry. The point being, these bones have, have long been dead. Much of it, that deadness resulting in years of chasing after other gods in their own way. A valley of dry bones. Innermost brokenness. I'm reading this book right now. It's entitled Enchantment, Awakening Wonder in an Anxious Age by Catherine May. It's, she's an author from the UK. And, and, and the, the premise of the book really is about where and how to find something deeper, something richer, something enchanting in a, in a post-religious, post-spiritual society that is certainly uh, very, very uh, real in the UK. And she writes with something of an agnostic perspective. Uh, And early in the book, she's spending some time trying to put language to our times. In this book, it was just very recently published. She puts it this way, it's as though the scale of things has overtaken us. The teetering numeric weight of the world has been revealed, and it's like looking into the face of God. And for her, she puts it this way, we're blasted by its terrible complexity, its stark enormity. Nothing could have prepared us for all this. It sometimes feels as though we're stoking a giant machine that will eventually consume us anyway. We're tired. We're deep bone tired people who no longer feel at home and we can see no way out of it. Bone tired. No way out like standing in a really deep valley. Has she heard of Ezekiel? And actually, it is that very honest space of a raw assessment of reality that is actually the starting point for any measure of real hope in Ezekiel. Did you catch how this whole passage begins? The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and as if that was not enough, 
He led me all around them like a full-on bone tour. They were very much lying all over the valley, and they were very dry. What if the hand of the Lord has drawn us all together this morning, not to escape from the terrible complexity of it all, the stark enormity of whatever presses upon our lives and this world, but but drawn us together to look at and maybe even tour around the valley, to look upon the medical diagnosis, the addiction, the consuming anxiety, the debt, the situation, the impossible relationship, the divide, the refugee crisis, maybe even some of the church wants so much more in this country. Mortal, God speaks in our scripture, mortal, the bones you look upon, can they live? Oh, Lord, you know, Ezekiel responds. Is that a statement of confidence? Resignation? Doubt? All of the above? It's ambiguous, which to me feels about as honest as you can be when you're looking at not emaciated human beings walking around, but dry bones. Oh, Lord, you know. You know what happened in season two of Ted Lasso? People didn't like it quite as much. Because, yeah, it still had the comedy, but it took a darker turn at times. It was far more introspective in the character development. The writers seemed to recognize that as good as season one was, as fun as it was, it didn't tell the truth about real hope. As if you could just sort of positive thinking your way into all measures of fundamental transformation. Increasingly, what we see in season two is this coach, Ted Lasso, having panic attacks, uncontrollable, drinking behind the scene, trying to keep it all quiet and hidden under this can-do, encouraging way of of being. But his, his body simply won't let him be a goldfish and forget the past. His body remembers the pain. The pain of a family suicide and, and some abandonment things. And, and he does not like to think about that or, or talk about that or, or acknowledge it in, in the least. But in scene, or season two, episode 10, the panic attack is overwhelming as the unprocessed valley is making itself known. He calls his therapist on the phone. He's been working with her, but hadn't really been getting very far. He hadn't been very much letting much out. And, and he thinks he's dying over the phone as he gets a hold of her with this panic attack. And of all the things in the world she could do as, as, as Ted Lasso is, is staring at the, the, the valley of the dry bones, all the things she could do or say, Ted, breathe. Practice your four, seven, eight breathing. I'll be right there. Thus says the Lord God to these dry bones, I will cause breath to enter you. The very first words of good news unto dry bones that can do nothing for themselves, I'm going to breathe into you. 
This is going to be the Genesis story, a re-Genesis story, a new beginning story. The fundamental promise unto dry bones is breath. And notably, the breath, breath arrives in the valley. Not above the valley, not far away from the valley, in the stark enormity of it all, in the panic of it all, in the sin and brokenness and death of it all. Jesus did not bring new life unto us by stepping around the cross or over the cross, right, but going directly through the cross. And do you remember three days later after rising from the dead and he comes to the disciples for the first time, what he does? He breathes on them. Peace be with you. Breath of life and life eternal comes through the cross. What are some of those dry bones we looked upon just moments ago in this service? The ones we look upon not from above the valley or over here away from the valley, but, but we, we, the hand of the Lord has brought us right up next to them. The bones out there or in here or in here. And if we're talking about this particular God, I think the question is always at least this. Where are there any signs of air whispering through? Rustling something. I can't say how breath arrives to the varied dry bones of injustice and pain and sin and grief and hardship that belabor this world and, and, and hold our hearts. Maybe it is counselors. Maybe the breath arrives through whole movements of people. Maybe the breath arrives through another in the body of Christ, or the breath arrives through the church as a whole. Maybe the breath arrives from people in groups outside the church. Maybe the breath arrives from God-breathed scripture. Maybe the breath arrives by way of prayer. Maybe the breath arrives by any and all of that in any number of given seasons and circumstances. But of this I am confident. Air is everywhere around us. And I think God made it that way to make clear that the distinct possibility for new breath is always abundantly at hand. It's my sense then that the best maybe any of us can really do today is stand with Ezekiel and declare that somehow, some way, with this particular God, The breath of life is here. You know, last fall I, I invited our 18 elders to do a visioning exercise. Asked them to imagine First Presbyterian Church at its very best five years from now. God is faithfully abundant through the things God has put on our hearts and our gifts, the, the heart we have for hospitality, the heart we have for service and mission, especially in Central Texas, the heart we have for genuine intergenerational relationships and discipleship, uh, the, the heart we have for this intentional family care for one another. Take a few moments and, and consider five years out, God's harnessing the very best of us and and. and and consider it through all five senses. What does FPC look like, sound like, 
taste like, feel like, smell like. And I open it for discussion. What's God speaking to you about through, through the senses about FBC at our best? First comment from an elder. I hear laughter. Second comment. I heard the same thing. Karl Barth, one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century, said laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. The closest thing to giving some kind of expression to the miracle of God's undeserved love poured out upon broken people and and, and this broken world. How beautiful that the leaders of this church have, have a vision of breath so fully received that it fills our bellies in such a way that, that the exhale is as deep as, as, as laughter. You know, Ted Lasso season one was not wrong about the fundamental need for laughter. That's good for the soul. But season two told the heart of the truth. There is a full deep breath that does eventually exhale into laughter that marvels at God's miracle, marvels at God's forgiveness, marvels at the way God turns everything upside down and does the most unique things with the most unlikely people to to accomplish God's purposes. But that breath, that laughter-filled deep breath, that is given not apart from but in the valley, through the valley. What if right here this morning as we gather before the valley that the hand of the Lord has surrounded us, we risk inhaling the air that cannot help but be faithful. And then we held it in genuine gratitude for all that it's worth. And then upon the dry bones that we have have been placed upon our heart. We exhaled the blessing of hope. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that your breath first animated all of life, all of creation. And your breath has sustained your creation, your people throughout the generations. Indeed, in your Son, Jesus Christ, we have received by pure grace the breath of life and life eternal. You are the air upon which we live and move and have our being, and we give thanks. And Jesus, we recognize that it is through and not around the cross that your resurrection power is known, and so we recognize that it is your hand that has brought us to the valley to the cross, the dark spaces and places where things sure look dry. And in this time of prayer, we lift whatever has fallen before our eyes, our hearts, and we ask for you to do what's impossible for us, but is the work of your very truth, raising life from the dead. We lift to you places, people facing acute famine this day, those in the dry corridor of Central America, Also those in South Sudan and Yemen and Syria, in all such places, raise up a sustained breath of provision and hope. 
We lift to you all who navigate life as a refugee this day, living in between a once home and a next home and trying to find a footing, a soil, a people. May your breath of peace and companionship and vitality hold them, raise them, welcome them. We lift to you those recovering from impossible storms, earthquakes, tornadoes, those in Turkey, Syria, those most recently in Rolling Rock, Mississippi. Breathe your life and comfort into the valleys of great grief and deep uncertainty about the future. We lift to you those mired in pain and brokenness. Those for whom a relationship remains deeply fractured. Those with an impossible diagnosis or a mental health crisis that keeps flooding back upon the soul. An anxiety that grips uncontrollably. A debt that paralyzes. An apathy, a fear, a tiredness that has them or has us lying in the valley. Amid all of these realities, may the fresh wind of your life be known. Surprise us by a grace we did not think possible, a rising we really could not have thought or imagined. We unfold our prayer into the prayer you taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.